Good morning and welcome to Bloomer Baptist Church. We have a lot to discuss today, but please open your, in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And we're going to try and get through this quite fast. We continue today with what we started last week. A new series in Ephesians, building a new you. You are new in Christ and God is working both in you and through you. He is building a new you. Through Christ's work, we are not just made new, but we are in a process of becoming who we are meant to be. We are justified and sanctified, saved by grace through faith and becoming more like him. You are his masterpiece, his workmanship. Ephesians. It's a book about our privileges or blessings as believers as well as our responsibilities as the church. And a key word we discussed last week was bodybuilding as the book of Ephesians helps to build up the body of Christ. Ephesians has been referred to as many names, such as the pinnacle of the New Testament, the church epistle, the Alps of the Bible, the believer's bank, the Christian's checkbook, the treasure house of the Bible, and a guide for spiritual health and maturity. In verses 3 to 14, which we'll be looking to over the next few weeks, has been referred to as the longest sentence in the New Testament. It does not look like it here today in the English, but in the Greek, verses 3 to 14 is one long, ongoing sentence. English translations add punctuation to break up the content, make it more easily digestible. But in the Greek, Paul begins with a statement about the blessed nature of God. and goes right into explaining, praising God in great detail for all of these blessings. Paul is so excited about these truths, he runs each thought together into one long sentence. Paul writes a letter. He starts out a letter, but right away he finds himself so overwhelmingly excited about his topic that he just cannot contain himself. And he goes into a time of worship for all God has blessed us with. He covers the past, the present, and the future, as well as each member of the Trinity. And today we look to verses 3 to 16, God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verses 3 to 16, Paul covers the past. God the Father gave us a great blessing in choosing us in him before the foundations of the world that we might be holy and blameless before him verses 7 to 13 cover the present blessings from god in that we are redeemed through the sacrificial deaths of the lord jesus christ and verse 14 covers our future blessing in that god has sealed us by the holy spirit and we have an inheritance ephesians explains our riches in christ and then pushes us, pokes us, prods us to live according to them. We should not live in spiritual poverty when all the riches of Christ are already ours. There's an illustration or a story of banking. You see, during the Great Depression, people were only allowed to take out 10% of their savings at a time to try and protect the banks. But when it comes to our great wealth as Christians, the spiritual bank, there are no limits for the wealth we have is limitless. The starting point of understanding our riches is understanding what God has already done for us. So this morning we're going to concentrate on verses 3 to 16 only. Today we look to the blessed, the blessed, and the blessings. The blessed, the blessed, and the blessings. And we celebrate the blessings of election with Paul. In Ephesians 3, I'm sorry, Ephesians 1, 3 to 6, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Today we see the blessed, the blessed, in the blessings of Ephesians 1, 3 to 6. We celebrate election being chosen by God, just like Paul. Today we look to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We look to the past, but we also see some of the present. Paul states that God is to be blessed, blessed as well as we have been blessed. And through Christ we have every spiritual blessing in him and in the heavenly places. We are to bless God, for he has greatly blessed us. But the way we bless God is greatly different than how he blesses us. For us to bless him is to mean that we speak well of him, praise and glorify his name, remember his promises, and abide by his word and ways. God is due all praise and glory. This is our duty, his will, and our responsibility, for he has done great things. Psalm 126.3 echoes these words where it says, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Paul continues with what I believe is enthusiastic worship of God for these blessings. As we look to number one, we see his blessings to us. You see, God is the blessed one, for he is also the blesser, and he has blessed us, as I quote, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He speaks good to us and gives us benefits, gives us blessings, us being the saints, as mentioned back in verse 1, those set apart by trusting in Jesus as Lord. But then there's also God's common grace, and this common grace extends to all his creatures. All receive some blessing just for living on his earth. But Paul marks out believers here as receiving a special benefit, a special blessing, and we are blessed. All of us are blessed. James 1.17 says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights. Every good thing that includes the food you eat, Isaiah 55.10, the water you drink, and the clothes you wear, Matthew 6, God is always caring for his creation, all of which come from God. All good things come from God. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And you cannot name anything good, material or immaterial, that does not come from God, that he should not be praised for, but we as saints have blessings beyond all this. We as saints, we as those set apart, have blessings before all this. This is what Paul praises God the Father for here. Election. He celebrates the election in verse 3 to 6. Notice this is not speaking just of the blessings to come, which there are many as God continues to work in us and through us, but Paul is speaking here of the blessings we have as believers. We may have to wait for some blessings, some heavenly spiritual blessings to arrive to us once Jesus returns. But until that day, we can rest assured that we are blessed even now, and we have an inheritance. Why are we blessed? How are we blessed? Well, Paul celebrates the election. He states we are chosen, elected, predestined, adopted as sons of God. We are in Christ, and we are in union with him, and we'll be with him as his fellow heirs. Romans 8, 16 to 17. The Christian awaits Christ's return. Or as Philippians 3, 20 puts it, our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly await for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity 
with the body of his glory. You see, it is because of our union with Christ that we receive spiritual blessings. This includes a mind of Christ so that we can understand what the spiritual blessings are. 2 Corinthians 2 tells us of this. You see, God has called us to a life of spiritual blessings, and he has given to us everything needed to live that life he calls us to. Blessed be God the Father. Blessed be God the Father, for he has blessed us with spiritual blessings. Let's move on and see what Paul proclaims in worship. The reason for the blessings we have, number one of number two, he has chosen us. Now, please know, as I do, that yes, this is a highly debated topic. God's elect predestination being chosen, but we cannot deny that God's word speaks of it. And yes, election and free will may be hotly debated and for centuries, but we must all admit that there is a great mystery in the doctrine of election. This passage speaks of what God has done before the creation of the world, of his purposes, of his will. And we must admit that we are not God. We don't, do not understand all things. And there are some mysteries which are for God's understanding. Deuteronomy 29, 29 reminds us that the secret things belong to God. We may disagree on some finer points of this mystery, but we can still fellowship and serve together. What is clear is that we have a great, awesome, and sovereign God who is in charge. He is also so great that he can give us some element of free will, yet still be in control. I do not stand before you today as one claiming to understand how all this mystery works. But I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that if you're his follower and have evidence, fruit in your life of your faith, continuing to trust in him, living wholly by him, you have been chosen. You are elect. You need not worry. Your life is secure in him as you have accepted the Spirit's calling to follow after him. Please, I beg of you, do not allow this topic of election to prevent you from following God's direction and proclaiming the gospel. As Charles Spurgeon once said, he does not know who all the elect are, but he will go to all the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ until God chooses to put an E on every short tail of the elect. God's word has a lot of references to the elect and the predestined, such as Romans 8.30, which says, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says that God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit, faith in the truth. And 2 Timothy 2.10 says, For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. We cannot and should not want to deny that God's word says we are chosen. We are chosen before the foundation of the world, as verse 4 states. And this, fully understood, even just partially understood, forms a bedrock of confidence, a strong, firm, solid foundation for us as believers. Let me say that again. Fully understood, even just partially understood, that we are chosen before the foundation of the world forms a bedrock of confidence, a strong, firm, solid foundation for believers. As one commentator stated, a God who chose you before time when only he existed will not leave you victim to the time and tides of life. God chose by himself and for himself us. God chose by himself and for himself us. God chose you, predestined you, 
to be holy. You, me, saints, set apart and trusting in him, following him. It's not because of our goodness. It's not because God looked in the future and saw how good we would be or that we would earn our salvation. It is by him, for him, and by love, by choice. Paul says that we should be holy and blameless before him. You see, because of him in love, God, while we were still sinners, sent his son Jesus on our behalf to die so that we might live in love. To atone for our sins, he was a propitiation for us. It is because of Christ that we are saved, justified, but it is also because of him that we are sanctified and being made more into his, him, his image with each day. And a telltale evidence or sign of one's election is therefore holiness. It's seeing Christ in us. It's seeing that we are living set-apart lives, different lives, characterized by God's ways and not the world's ways. Righteous ways, not sinful ways. Showing the hope that now resides within us and at all times, in all circumstances. We must praise him, praise him, praise him. Just as Paul here is celebrating, praising him for the election. We praise him for we are the chosen. Are we living holy lives as he is holy? Are you? You were not saved just so that you could escape hell. You were not saved just so that you could get a get-out-of-jail-free card and continue to sin. You were saved so that you could live a holy and blameless life and be restored to the Father's eyes. Holy means set apart to God, just as the word saint means in verse 1. Holiness also may mean in past, present, and future. As we were set apart to God when he chose us, we are being set apart in the present as we more faithfully live for him. And we will be set apart in fullness in the future when we dwell with him in heaven. Let me say that again. We were set apart to God when he chose us. We are being set apart in the present as we more faithfully live for him. And we will be set apart in fullness in the future when we dwell with him in heaven. Blameless. Blameless means without blemish or spotless. The stain of sin is washed away, and this also indicates that we do not continue to go back to that non-holy way of living, that lifestyle continual sin. We may struggle with sins, but we should never continue to sin. We should never live in this lifestyle, and we must flee from it and live by, gra by God's grace. Next, number three, we see his purpose. We see God's purpose that in love he predestined us for adoption. We are adopted to God as sons through Jesus for his will. This is his purpose. It is out of God's love that we see that we are adopted as sons. And this speaks of the relationship that he has called us to. God could have saved us from sin without making us his children, but in his love he also marked us out in eternity past to be his sons and daughters. This adoption as sons and daughters of God is also what grants such privileges and responsibilities and inheritance. And this should be an awe-inspiring, astounding thought that you are adopted as his sons through Jesus. Paul says of this, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And he goes on, or we read, that by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And in Galatians 4, we read, Because your sons, 
God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and spirit who calls out Abba Father so that you're no longer a slave but a son. And since you're a son, God has made you also an heir. Do you have a spirit of adoption? Do we sense that God is our father? Do we think of him and address him as our dear father? Have you received him as such? John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. James I. Packer considers our grasp of God's fatherhood and our adoption as sons of daughters as an essential importance to our spiritual life. And he says, If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish, is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about how it's such a blessing to be adopted by God as sons and we can cry out to God, the Lord, God of all creation, as Father. He cares for us. He loves us. And he listens to us. He answers prayers of his children. Let's get back to free will, election, and predestination for a moment. Again, these are all difficult things to understand and discuss. I must admit that I too struggle with these things greatly. But I cannot deny what scripture teaches. Man's will does not seem so free to me. For God's word says it is in bondage to sin, Romans 6. None are righteous, no, not one, says Romans 3.10. Scripture says that the unsaved, in Ephesians 4.17-18, walk in the futility of their mind and are darkened in their understanding. Yes, God's word also says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But the reality is that no one will call for the Lord on their own. Psalm 14, as quoted in Romans 3.11, says, There is no one who understands, no one who seeks for God. And that might be way, why John 6, says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. We know there is some type of free will. We know there is some type of choice. We know that there also is elect and predestination, for we cannot de deny what God's word says. And this is where, again, I repeat, what is clear here is that we have a great, awesome, and sovereign God who is in charge. He is so great that he can give us some element of free will, yet still be in full control. One pastor said of election that the doctrine of election, that God by his sovereign choice chooses who will be saved, in no way violates what he also says about his commandments to repent. The sinner that responds to the call of salvation does not violate his own will. Instead, it is the sovereign grace of God that makes him willing to respond. Pastor also theologian Warren Wearsby states, Try to explain election. You may lose your mind, but try to explain it away, and you may lose your soul. You see, I believe that both are true and both are essential. And no matter which direction you choose to believe regarding election and free will, you must not fail to see what God's word says. God's word tells us that you have been chosen. And number three, again, we see God's purpose in election is to bring you into the body of believers through Jesus Christ and into conformity with him. Whatever direction you go with free will and election, see the scriptures, see the blessings, see the blessed 
See God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is great freedom from burdens here and hope to be found in seeing that God of creation, the God of the universe, chose you. He chose you. Despite how good you are, despite how good you would be, God knows all things, is in all things, and is all-powerful, yet he chose you. Finally, back to Scripture in verse 6, we, Paul, we see that Paul says, "...to the praise of his glorious grace, which, which he has blessed us in the beloved." He brings it back to the blessed, the blessed, and the blessings, to praise. We also see number 3 here, that we have been blessed and we must bless. This is another purpose of our election. We must bless. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we close, I want you to see. I want you to celebrate the election. I want you to celebrate and see that we are chosen, elected, predestined, and adopted as sons of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. But I ask you to also consider do people in your life know this? Are you living in a way which shows the world the great blessings that you have? As you live as blessed with blessings, do you give all praise and glory back to God the Father in whom you have been blessed by? Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God calls us to live holy, blameless lives. I ask you, are you? Are you living as set apart by his ways? You have been saved and you should proclaim of the wonderful blessings of God forevermore. If your life is not being lived in a way that can glorify God in action, word, and thought, then something needs to change, and change quickly. If you already know that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, then you need to keep striving to make your life match what you're supposed to be. Make sure you have someone praying for you and holding you accountable. The Christian life is not meant to be lived in isolation. We need our one another's. We need each other. And most importantly, need, we need God. Is God speaking to you today? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Do you not know if you are saved? Well, then I plead with you. God pleads with you to plead with him. Extend an offering to him and ask him to save you. Ask him to extend his grace and mercy to you and save you. Then come see me. Come see a deacon. Come see a pastor. Come see a friend in Christ to celebrate and disciple you. You don't need to worry or even think about whether you're one of the elect or not. God knows, and that is what counts. Your very willingness to seek him may be a demonstration that the Holy Spirit is working on your heart. God, the blessed one, has blessed us with great spiritual blessings in Christ and by choosing us in him and adopting us as sons. Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of the great riches we have in Jesus Christ. Let's live according to these things. Let's pray, and we'll close with a song. Lord, we thank you, for we are chosen. And may we, pre may we proclaim these things forevermore. Amen.